you find yourself in chaos, into your rope, don't exactly know how to get out of it, where to turn. Or maybe you just got that one special moment that changes everything. We're going to talk about that and more. Stay tuned. The meat and potatoes in, in my testimony, um, my own family doesn't know the full extent, like my dad and my sister. Um, very few people are aware of some places and some things I went through and, and some things that I actually did uh, at points in my life. Um, so this is, this is going to be me being really raw and really real with, about the things, uh, some things. Um, my son, um, I, I say that my son kind of saved my life in a way that God was able to really start beginning to open my eyes and realize that, hey, I've been living about me, all about me and all about me. Just a, a Benny fun life. And when I had this responsibility, this little, this little person, this little boy, I started to think about uh, what I needed to do as a father and as a man and, and, and a role model and how I wanted to raise him. So that would began the process. But long story short here, um, I was, um, I, I had chosen um, after my son's, uh, after my son and uh, my son's mom and I, we split up. I went home, was there actually in the mountains for a few months. I decided to come back to Charlotte because I wanted to be close to my son. Um, I was staying on a, a friend's couch as I kind of started a new job. I didn't have anywhere to go as far as a home. And for some, uh, the place I was working, man, it was a sales company. And <laughs> man, they, they, they went against everything that I felt was biblical, the way they did sales. Um, very shady place. And so I ended up walking out. Uh, I mean, I mean, I flat out walked out the door one day because I told them that uh, their business did not align with my beliefs and my values. And so I wasn't going to do sales the way they wanted me to do them. But I had banked on this uh, company, a sales company, to bring me the money that I needed to get started and back on my feet and things like that. But long story short with that is um, I, was, I was actually homeless, sleeping out of my car a lot for a long time. And uh, what I did was I would jump around from one friend's house to another friend's house, but I didn't want to wear out my welcome. So sometimes I would tell one friend I was going somewhere else when I actually was, and I was going to be sleeping out of my car. And at any moment I could have went back home to the mountains, but I chose not to because I didn't want to be away from my son. So what this started was um, I was living out of my suitcase. I was sometimes taking showers at the YMCA and other places like that. Uh, I went, I began a downhill spiral with money, job, work, um, I started to go through some custody stuff over my son and man, everything in my life was getting worse by the second. Every day I was struggling. I mean, I was, I was looking for change around uh, drink machines because, you know, people would pull out money out of their pocket and uh, I was looking for coins and loose change, walking even parking lots for, for loose change, get enough. And I'd hit up the dollar menu. Uh, this is when the McChickens were still actually $1. <laughs> And I remember when they bumped them up to like a dollar nineteen, dollar twenty. And I was like, "Wait a minute!" And man, I, I hit up the dollar menu. And uh, but the thing was, my son never experienced that. What I did to not wear out my welcome was I would make people during the week think I was staying somewhere else. When I was actually in my car. So when it came to weekend, it was it was my first time staying with them, and I had my son with me. So I would go stay with my uh, then my best friend. Um, uh, Chris and I'd stay at his place and stuff like that. Sometimes I'd get my son and we'd go back to the mountains for the weekend then we'd come back and my family and everybody thinks everything's fine. They think I'm just hanging out and staying with some friends when that wasn't really the case. Well, after all these problems with job, money and 
things going on. God was really working in my heart. Um, my, uh, you know, through the, so some of this custody stuff, my, uh, my son's uh, mom, uh, you know, we had a little falling out there and uh, there's a two week period where I wasn't able to see him because of some, some reasons. And um, this is what happened, man. Everybody knows the, what's the biggest holiday of the year? What's, what's the biggest family get together? Christmas. That's it, man. Christmas. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Man. I don't know. Our family eats every time they get together. Every so. time. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those two easy. But as far as and also when you think about the Christian aspect of it, what is Easter. you know your family and Christian and all that kind of coming together. So for, it was really it was Christmas for me. So this is what was going on. My life was falling apart. It was probably in the worst place I had ever had it, and um, I. Uh, I was told I was going to get to see my son on Christmas Day. So I, instead of driving through the mountains to visit with family, I decided to stay in Charlotte where I was staying at the time. I had a friend uh, who was out of town visiting family. Uh, they let me stay at their place. And then, so I was in this empty house um, all by myself. And I thought I was going to get to see my son. Well, I didn't I ended up not being able to see my son. And because uh, I had just enough money, to, to get gas to go to the mountains. But since I stayed behind, I, ha- I ate some food. So I dipped into my, uh, my gas money and I was unable to drive to the mountains. So this is what happened, man. It is Christmas Eve. I've never in my life been away from my family on Christmas ever, ever at this point. And so what's I've now, what has now happened is I am alone on Christmas Eve all by myself and I, and I started to break down this it was later in the afternoon, later in the evening. And I said, man, uh, it's Christmas Eve. There's probably a Christmas service going on somewhere. I don't know what it was, but I was pulled and drawn in to go to church. And what happened is there was a, a nearby church I had went to. They had a found out they had a six o'clock Christmas Eve service going on. So I was like, boom, I don't know why, but God had put something in, in my heart to say, go here and you need to do this. And so I go in there and I'm like, all right, man, I'm going to feel a lot better after this, right? I'm going to get my therapy session in. Bro, I got broke big time. That's the best way to do it. (laughs) So what happens when you go to Christmas or Easter functions with your family? Who's there with you? Your family. You're there with people that you haven't even seen. I mean, you know, you're, you're rolling deep. You got 10, 12 people going in there with you, right? Oh, man. I was in this. It was a big church, a real big church. I mean, this place was packed. I looked around, I looked around, I looked around. I'm the only person in this massive congregation sitting all by themselves. I see people holding their children. I see couples together. I see moms and dads. I see families just together. It's Christmas Eve service. And here I am sitting all by myself without my family for the first Christmas, without my son, without a job. With I think I had about five bucks in my pocket at the time. I was homeless, sleeping out of my car most nights. And man, and the future wasn't looking good at all. I still didn't have a job at the time. It's like, so even after I leave this service, I have nothing. So I'm in the middle of this Christmas Eve service. And that's when my literal prayer, I called out to God that night and said, I need you to break me and get me rid of everything that I've held on into my life that I thought was valuable. Strip me away of all this patterns of sin and, and me being selfish and prideful and doing Benny's life, Benny's way, God, I need you to come in right now and break me completely to the ground and make me the man you want me to be. 
And man, I did that that night. And ever since really that moment in time, my life has drastically been transforming for like kind of for kind of what you see now. I mean, that, that was a big moment in my life. There was a few others that followed after that, but that one night in particular, that Christmas Eve service was, was, that was a big night, man. Well, that's, that was a big night. I mean, I, you know, and, and, and I know everybody always has that one story, that one, that one night, that one verse, that one, like, there's the one thing that just constantly speaks to you when you hear yes. it, it brings all that back and puts you right back where you are. And, yep. and for me, I mean, I can remember a night where I, I, I swear I saw the hand of God move. You know, I mm. mean, it's it's one of those things where you, uh, I mean, you, you're not broken until you've given God 30 seconds to prove to you why you need to be alive. I mean, Amen. you know, those moments where you're Amen. sitting there going, hey, here's Amen. here's my life on a platter, Lord. And, and if you can show me one thing in this that's worth living for, then I'm all in. But until, <laughs> until you get to that moment, um, you know, and, and it comes at different times in different ways for different people. Um, yeah, man. You know, so taking that, taking that opportunity, and if you were to run into 22-year-old you right now and know where he's going, I mean, you were there, you experienced it, you know what was happening, mm. is that, you know, is there something you would do to, to get the word to him and say, hey, let's change who you are? Or do you think the Lord's led you where you are? Um, I mean, obviously, he protected you through some of the things yeah. that you were a part of. Yeah. You know, when it comes to that and, you st- and you're talking to people, how do you help them get over the regret of maybe thinking, I did know this and I could have avoided all of this? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well so, so I... This is what I understand, too, and why I I want to really engage men and young men. When we talk about being better fathers and better husbands, um, man, sometimes the family and the household that we grow up in is really what is going to, is who we're kind of going to find ourselves to be later in life. Our our raising and our rearing as as young men and children is really what's setting the platform to what is going to be our life. And, um, I mean, m- my dad, um, uh, he, kind of what we valued in our home and what we did in our home and what I saw was, uh, was of most importance wasn't always what was the most godly things. I mean, let's, we'll just be honest and put it that way. I know that when I got into my late teens and early 20s, the patterns that I was living were the patterns that were laid out for me as a young person. And, and what I was taught was okay and taught what was acceptable and the certain things that were put on a, a pedestal, like uh, relationships, women. That was, that was by far the most exalted thing that I saw growing up. And so that's exactly where I found myself. And so part of my story was I didn't know better. But when we come back to like, I can't blame my dad. I can't blame the people around me. I just needed a, I just needed to, to stop and take inventory of my life at the time. But I didn't know to because I had walked away from God. I'd walked away from the good men in my life that could have put me in the right path. So the biggest problem for me is I walked away. But I didn't have anywhere to go because the church doesn't really offer a whole lot for young men especially 20 and 30, how we're natured and how we are. We, we see it as restrictive. We don't want to be around it. It's boring. It's dull. And the guys, half the guys that are in there are just weird. I don't want to be around them. They're not like me. 
but men, <laughs> I've seen in the men's groups that I've been leading over the recent years, we are so much alike. It's ridiculous. We are, we got tons of men out there that are on the same page. For a lot of them, it's the same thing. They act the way they do because of the way they were raised, the way they were brought up. They have patterns that they don't know how to break. <laughs> and and something that you said there really caught my attention for a second. And, and I've got to throw it out there because we don't realize how much we're alike in the church. Mm -hmm. And, and the fact that you said that, I'm just going to tell those of you in the world right now, um, if you're listening to this and you need the Lord in your life, don't wait. Obviously, yeah. now's the best time. But secondly, those of you in the church, if that guy walks in the door, he's just like you. Yes. You know, the only difference is he's living it out loud. You've mm. got it stuffed in a closet because you don't want people to know who you really are. That's I can right, promise you that That's from experience right. in my own life and in the life of men in the church. They're, men are prideful. Men will hide things. And they will hold on to things. And then somewhere down the road, they become broken over it. And, but that just only serves to, as a, as a pastor, I can say this, it only serves to hurt the church when yes. that day comes. Because then everybody that's been looking at you and seeing you as this individual you've been putting forward, when that, when that second individual rears its ugly head, mm -hmm. all of a sudden the church is harmed in the yes. process in some ways. So, yes. you know, I mean, the reality is men are all alike. Yes. You don't want to give women credit when they say that, <laughs> but let's be honest for a minute. In some ways, men are all alike. And, yeah. um, but that's because we were created by God in his yeah. image. Yeah. Yeah. And You're a day. Yeah. it's a lot, it, it is a pattern. It's a, a longing. I guess is the word I'm looking for, a longing to be like our creator. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, so, you know, taking the ministry you have, and I, I want to give just a moment to, to let you shout that out about what your ministry is. And, you know, obviously it's Iron Edge Ministries. And mm -hmm. we've talked a lot about what you do, but just give us a little quick synopsis of what it is. Yeah, well, I want, I'm going to touch base on something real quick too, okay. that, that you just said, um, because I think I think it's really important uh, because a lot of men think they have to be perfect to walk into a church. They think they need to clean themselves to go into the doors of a church or even to reach out to somebody. They're ashamed. And I've said, guys, you cannot do that. And if we can encourage you in any way, shape or form, <laughs> I mean, I know you and me both, you can reach out to us. I'll be more than happy to talk to anybody. That Absolutely. Hears this and help you and try to do all that I can. But if, okay, Matt Chandler says this a lot. Now we, we both mentioned how much we like him, that if you look in the Bible, there's not really anybody in there that we consider, you know, highly, you know, guys that we would probably hire based off their resume. I right. mean, let's look at Abraham. All right. No, not Abraham. He was going to handing off his wife and saying that was his sister. I mean, Moses, he killed a man and buried him out in the sand. I mean, let's, let's talk about, you know, Paul, no, Paul's going around, you know, having Christians murdered all together. I mean, oh, get David. He, David's the good yeah, one. Yeah. David, the adulterer. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, and, and he, and he, I mean, you had your, your boy, up, uh, you know, Uriah killed. I mean, come on guys. I mean, 
the Bible is filled with guys that are just <laughs> I mean, that are just jacked up from the floor up. I mean, they have they are not living a light worthy of God. And that's the whole point. God wants to come and intervene in your mess and clean you up and make you better. Because if you do this, and this is where you'll mess up, if you come back and clean yourself up, then come to church, you're already on the sandy foundation. You need to be broken and as low as you can go so God can rebuild you from that point up. Right. That way, you know, when you are built up by God and the people of God, the men of God, then you know that whatever you're built on is going to stand firm. It's going to stand the fire. It's going to stand the wind, the rain, the storms. It's going to withstand that. But if you clean yourself up and then come to church, your house is going to blow down again. So don't feel like you have to get yourself together because nobody in the Bible has themselves together except for Jesus. We are all messed up. I mean, even his disciples. I mean, you got, you got you, Peter's denying him. Thomas is doubting him. Judas betrays him. I mean, even his own most close personal people bailed on him. I mean, of all the 12 disciples, Judas, we can't kill, kill him, but he had 11 left over. There's only one by his side at the cross. That was John. Where's the other 10? I mean, they all bailed on Jesus right there on his crucifixion. So anyway, sorry, my bad. You're good, because what's funny is you remember I mentioned to you that there was a question I wanted to ask you, and I couldn't remember what it was, but we hadn't did this anyway. That was the question, was what do you say to that man who says, <laughs> my life is too bad to walk into the church? No, nah, man, grace abounds, grace abounds. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, who is it? Uh, Paul talks about it in Romans, he's talking about grace abounding, and then you, you can't outsend the cross, guys. If you think about the, the adulterous woman that was brought, you talk about the tax collectors, which were such horrible, despicable people. We don't even have a word for it. We don't have a job for it. I mean, you can think about the nastiest politician. You can think about the, the nastiest mobster and combine them, and you're still not a tax collector. I mean, they were vile people. And Jesus went and sat and had dinner with them. He invited them in. Jesus' enemies were not the sinners. Those were the people he's reaching out to. It was the pious religious elite. It was the church that was persecuting Jesus, not the sinners. He came to save the well, sinners. You wanna, if you want to see how he changed his life, look at Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus yes. was a, a tax collector who climbed up in a tree just because he knew he wanted to see Christ. Jesus comes to the tree and says, come on, I'm going to your house for dinner. Yes. Goes to dinner. And what Zacchaeus do to prove to the Lord that he has changed? He gives back four times what he took. Four. Four I mean, nine. can you imagine how he had that much to begin with? That's another story. If you know he's a dishonest tax collector, where did he get the four times to go back and give that back? And yes. so – you know, he gave it all. That, yeah, he had to give everything up. The rich young ruler, he says, yes. give up everything yeah. and follow me. And the guy walks away disappointed because he doesn't want to give up the he world. Couldn't. He couldn't. So, yeah. I, you know, I mean, it's a tale of two cities, man. And so with Iron Edge Ministries, you're looking, yeah. is yeah. there a specific group of people you, I mean, obviously so, men. Um, yeah, so th this is the idea behind Iron Edge Ministries. So as we've kind of touched base here, I'm super passionate about the, the young men because, I, I mean, uh, in my other groups, we, I had 50-year-old had men also in our group because anybody can, can any man at any age can benefit from being together. Even my, my son who's eight, he's, he's out with his three cousins right now because he needs to have male bonding. He needs to have that time so at any age eight or 80 or whatever you need to be in a good group of men i know it's hard to find sometimes but you've got to invest in people give them time okay but iron age ministries it's it's really kind of the idea like proverbs 27 uh, where it talks about 27 17 is iron sharpens iron so a man sharpens another man Great what works. we want to be able to do here 
is I want to, I've been trying to be very intentional about the way I'm wired, the way I'm designed, my passion, my zeal, the things I've done. I've always been involved in athletics and sports and powerlifting and strongman and boxing and MMA. So what can I do with the way I'm gifted and wired and my passion for Christ and to grow men? What can I do? And it hit me some uh, a couple of months ago, a few months ago, I, I really had a moment. I just turned everything off kind of in a, in a meditation moment and said, God, what can I do with what you've given me to help grow your kingdom? What can I do? I'm trying to be kingdom minded. And I just realized that when I'm at the gym or when I've worked out in years past, there's tons of 20 and 30 year old men. That's the bulk of the gym is young guys in their training. And the thing is, is I don't care how much you think you know someone at church. I bet you I know my training partner at the gym better than you know the guy from church. Why? You see the guy from church once or twice a week. And usually if it's a Sunday service, bulk of that's really listening to the sermon and the singing. You're not really well, interacting. Let's be real. At church, nobody gets comfortable with anybody. At a gym, no. they get so comfortable, they start telling stories. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I know the people at the gym better than I know the people at church or in the small groups I've been in, the Bible studies I've been in. I know them because I see them routinely and I see them daily. And so this is where I'm, I'm looking around the gym. I'm like, man, there's so many 20 and 30 year old guys here. Man, what if we could just start preaching to these guys right here, right now? What? I mean, I can, I mean, I'll do it anyway, but I might get kicked out and can't come back. But so that's where the, the idea began to develop is like, what if we have a gym, a Christian gym, a facility, it's a ministry, it's a nonprofit, it's a gym that's operating kind of ran as a church. And what it is, you just work out, bring men in, 23-year-old guys, bring them in. It's a way to, because, I mean, if we're honest too, look at the numbers. I mean, most people will never bring anyone to Christ in their life. Most people uh, don't share the gospel message with people over the course of a year. Most people don't really invite people to church. But guys like to work out. I've been asked a million times in my life, many, hey, can I come work out with you? Can I train with you? And I and I can almost invite anybody to come train with me. And almost 99% will say yes. And it's easy. It's almost like it's easier to ask you to come to the gym than come to a small group. Because we get that we get weird when we start talking about inviting people to church. Because we know there's a, a there's kind of a, a perception there of how people are going to receive that. Like, man, I don't know. I've done the church thing. It ain't really my thing. But man, if I hey bro, Let's hit up the gym tomorrow, man. It's a chess day, man. You know, or the sun's out. We got to have the guns out. Like you can just take the gym atmosphere and the gym mentality, invite people in. But when you bring them into a place that I'm, uh, that I think God's putting on my heart is a gym ministry. So when you walk in those doors, there's scripture up, there's men there to talk with you and to pray with you. There's studies going around. There's groups meeting constantly. Uh, I want there to be uh, people coming in and pastors and, and people uh, coming and ministry and giving talks. It is a gym. And so it will have, I want it to have a place that you actually want to come work out at. We'll talk about nutrition and training, but the idea is to finally start doing life. Like if you look at the book of Acts, they were doing life daily. They were breaking bread together daily. They were praying together daily and going to the temple daily. That could almost be our temple where men come together and we break bread and we pray and we do life together every single day. And you can come at any time so you don't, you're not tied to a place because most churches sit, sit empty most of the week. Nobody's in there uh, for, the, for the most part. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, the pastor's office. But, gym, but the, the gym could, would be going all the time. So it's, the doors are always open. There's always somebody there. And then to, to minister and share the gospel, it would be, hey, man, uh, hey, buddy, you been wanting to talk about working out? Why don't you meet me at my gym over at Iron Edge um, you know, tomorrow about 6 o'clock or whatever. And little does he know when you're done at 7, there's a Bible study. 
And if he doesn't want to go, fine. Guess what? Come back tomorrow and we're going to train again. And we're going to keep trying, keep trying, and keep trying until eventually we're going to get men that are going to step into these classes and step into these platforms and places and talks and things. And they're going to hear the gospel and it's going to take root. And they'll be in a place and atmosphere where we can continue to help harvest that and then to grow that. And so that's really kind of the idea, man, is just trying to, instead of waiting for guys to come to church and trying to figure out how we're going to minister to these, today's culture, bro, let's just, let's just meet them where they are. Let's just get right. a gym, slap, you know, and, and run it like, and then too, this is the other side of it is I want to give pastors and other clergymen and people of the faith that work in there an opportunity. We need you guys, especially you guys, pastors up on the front line. It's a stressful life. We need you healthy. I want you guys to come in, work out for free. And that also will give me another avenue and a way to connect people to churches because it's not just come here. This isn't the end all. My goal is to get you involved in the community because we'll be doing service through the ministry. But we also want to get you connected to a local church. So we need to get you involved. And so what I want to do is say, hey, man, you know what? Where do you live? A pastor that's over there, that church, he's in here working out on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. He'd actually be in 10 minutes. Let's have a conversation. So I can start plugging men into a church because the pastors are there, the people are there, and it's easy for me to just kind of plug them in. So it's also just kind of a, the, the, the in-between of trying to bring men in, getting them familiar with it, and then plugging them into the next place. So it's like we're step one and getting them into their church is the next step that I'm going to lead them to. Well, dude, that's, that's amazing. I haven't known you for, what, 37 years? <laughs> How old am I? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know how old I am. You're, all, you know, I had to think about your age for a minute. Yeah, um, getting ready to be thirty-eight. You know, we'll go with thirty-five because there's some years we probably didn't realize it. Yeah. Um, but you know, having known you for as long as I have, and and seen you grow from where you were to where you are now, the beauty of the aspect that's going on here is. Sorry about that. Oh, you're good, man. <laughs> life happens. That's it's 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 the beauty it is, of life. But, you know, the beautiful thing about what's going on with this is the fact that uh, to see you with the smile on your face and the the love in your heart and, and everything about what is taking place in you is is the thing that I've enjoyed seeing. Um, yes. The, the passion that I've always seen you put into everything else is now going into this ministry and the things that you're doing there. And that that is a wonderful thing. So, Thanks, man. It, it it ain't me, man. It ain't me. <laughs> that, that, that that's somebody else just working through me. I'm just glad to be part of the part of the be part of the plan. Absolutely, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us again. Iron Edge Ministries. You can find it on Facebook. Yeah, um, Facebook. We're getting some YouTube stuff going. I mean, we're we're early. We're young. Uh, with this with this great pandemic going on, we're not exactly where we want to be yet, but we're getting right. there. And so I know that you're doing. Um, I know you're doing some YouTube videos and ministry that way. Uh, you and your wife doing some of those as well. And, and yep. uh, so I would encourage everybody to look you guys up. And, and if you're in the what, Charlotte area. Uh, yes, South Charlotte. Yep, South Charlotte, kind of towards the Monroe area. So if you're in the Charlotte area, look for the gym eventually. Eventually, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah it's, got that's that? part of the goal right now. It's in your gym. It's in your, in your garage. 
uh, yes. out of wooden equipment, <laughs> yes. and uh, the pandemic has really brought the carpenter out in you. It, it has, man. <laughs> hey, they say be like Jesus, man. I'm taking it. I'm taking it all the way. It, carpenter and all. It's it's like my gym owner is a carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's but, right. But bro, I appreciate everything, and 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 look forward to hearing more about your ministry, man. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you. And let's take a moment to uh, just really recount that. I tell you, I thank Benny for joining me uh, for the podcast. Uh, and, and we really got a chance to look at what chaos looks like, uh, but how it can come to Christ. And uh, so thank you to Benny. Uh, let's just take a moment to pray for he and Iron Edge Ministries and, and what he is doing in that Monroe area. But we appreciate him and uh, just coming in and, and spending some time with us. So let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to find Christ in the chaos, uh, to find an, the moment that can really change our lives. Lord, help us to be attentive to that. Help us to be attuned to the spirit that you are speaking with, the, the one that speaks into us and gives us hope. And, and those difficult times gives us that peace in the chaos. And Lord, help us to continue to seek you in all that we do. Lord, I pray for Benny and, and for Ashton and and for their family, for the for the ministry that they are undertaking. And I pray for any of those uh, young men that Benny has discussed uh, that ha- will come into contact with that ministry, Lord. I pray that they would be blessed in a mighty way. Uh, Lord, I thank you for Benny, for, for the stand he's taking for you, and for the love that he shares with the community about what you can do in the life of a man who would just be willing to give it all up for you. Uh, Lord, just thank you for that. Thank you for his family again. Uh, just the the peace that he's now found uh, amidst the chaos of life. Lord, we thank you for this. We pray your blessings on them and all those who are listening today. We pray that in your holy and precious name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in with the Where the Wild Things Aren't podcast. You can join us each week. We try to get an episode up by 12 noon every Friday. We are very blessed to be able to bring this to you. Hope that you can find peace where the wild things aren't. Listen on wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow it. Click it to download so you can get the newest episodes. And again, we thank you for listening to where the wild things aren't.